required to create. History will prove one of us correct. Wait, 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 wait. You're not letting me finish, bro. This is how you become bulletproof. Bulletproof. So, so Pete, just quick question. Is that a margarita in your hand? It is. It is that is. a virtual background or this real palm tree? It is. It, it is. I got one of those video backgrounds. It's just me too. Moving. Look. Me too. Yeah. Chandler, where is your background? It's not moving. We, well, I'm at the bank right now. We actually have a podcast room. We put in nerd. Boring. <laughs> boring. I'm being the boring I, banker. All right. Well. I'm glad that you that you actually gave somewhat of your own intro there, saying that you're a banker. So today we do have a banker on. We brought in Chandler from Live Oak Bank because Craig and I want to talk. Don't tune this out because this is just this, this yeah. minute that we hit right before we hit record. Peter, you just like had like an epiphany. You even <laughs> mentioned God and and what you just said. Like man, <laughs> yeah. God, God puts people on the right path. I mean, you. I'm so, telling you, right? So this well, is a spiritual awakening. What you're about to listen to. So we wanted to bring. Chandler on because he is is ear to the ground in terms of what's going on in the macro client uh, climate, what's going on in the lending capacity. Chandler, as you know, we 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 are we have a mastermind that we are intimately coaching, and we hear about their growth and the things that they want to do. And I'm hearing the sentiment in dentistry, like, hey, I'm just going to wait until interest rates go down to either grow or acquire or build a building, and. I have fear with that. I think we were talking about it here hitting record. There's never a good time to kind of time the falling knife, as they call it in crypto, right? Like trying to time the bottom and then lock in. It, that's a fool's game to play like, hey, I'm going to, you know, the, the falling knife game. To, thinking that you're going to be able to nail the one day that you're going to get the best interest rate or the one time in, in, in history. Um, so I want you to kind of talk about that, uh, if, if you can, about the, the climate. Because I think, look, I'm building a building right now. I'm about to embark on building a building and interest rates you know, are, are high, but but it is what it is. You're either foot on the gas or you're foot on the brake, in my opinion. And so interest rates be damned. I'm, I'm moving forward. So yeah, Chandler, welcome. Welcome. Glad to have yep. you back, buddy. Thank you for having me here. Um, always enjoy spending some time with you all talking about the industry. Um, but yeah, absolutely. So kind of you hit on it. There's no real timing in the market. Okay. Macro factors are always going to go up and down and um, you can't really bet or time the market. And what I like to tell my clientele is bet on yourself, right? When the time is right, when you think you are ready to grow, you're ready to acquire, are you ready to start up? Take that chance on yourself. And I promise that you'll be successful. This is a 25 to 35 year investment. You got to look at it on that scale. And I think there's a good saying that look, look at it through a kaleidoscope and not a telescope, right? You got to take the big picture. So the macro factors right now, I mean, it's tough, tougher, I should say. Um, every time you wake up, you look at the news, something else is happening. Interest rates are going up. Um, this is happening. That's happening. People are laying off people. But overall, the economy is still chugging along, right? it's still doing really, really well. And when you think about it, when interest rates rise, that potentially means that the economy's hot and things are going well. So um, I did a little bit of research before this, and I was just talking to Peter before this call about historic interest rates and taking a large view, not just over the last 10 years, where I would imagine a lot of people are starting to see that, right? Where they've come into dentistry just right after graduating after the great recession and you have zero interest rate policy. That's what everybody's used to, okay? 
rates in the threes, the 4% range, but let's stretch it back out over 54 years. Craig, I'm going to ask you this question. Can you guess what the average 10-year treasury over the last 54 years has been? Uh, yeah, I'm going to say uh, 8.4. Wait, 5. the average 4. treasury over oh, no, no, no. Average, 10-year I'm, treasury? I'm think, no, I'm thinking 30-year interest rate. I'm sorry. I was right, doing right. the math wrong. Um, so treasury, yeah. Um, I know that's the about approximate average 30-year mortgage rate, by the way. That's right. Um, so about 5%, I'd say, for treasury? Yeah. Five eight seven. Yeah, very good. So and yeah, where I've seen those trajectories. Today? And today it's at four point four percent. So we're right. still actually below. So we're below the thirty-year moving average then. Below yeah, look at the charts. Fifty-year average. Yeah, look at those charts. Like I love this. I posted something on Instagram because my wife's a real estate agent. She says, "Marry the property, date the rate." So I love that extrapolation of marry your business plan, date the rate. No offense, but like. We'll refinance guys like you out. Like, you know, you you get, you believe in the product and the process and your business plan. You can actually start, be further ahead and then refinance. I've refinanced so many times in my life. Here's what I love about a banking relationship, Chandler. And I think I've said this, but I think it's, it's neat in that me as the person who's taking the money, right? I can lock in for 30 years, regardless of what happens to the interest rate. It goes up to eight and I'm locked in at two and a half. Oh, well, sorry. Sorry about your luck. But you guys mm -hmm. don't have that same lock-in feature, meaning that if rates go from eight where I lock in and it goes down to four, I can refinance myself out of that situation, but a bank is locked in. So it's almost like we're playing an unequal game, right? Of, mm -hmm. of chance. You know, I'm locked, you're locked in, but I am not potentially as the end consumer. Uh, like Craig is saying, you can I can date that rate. Um, and that's really a cool thing. So that's where I was going with the whole conversation about Dennis saying like, hey, I'm going to wait right now until rates come down to build this building or acquire this practice. And I'm like, why? If, mm -hmm. if the climate goes down, you have the option, unless you have a prepayment penalty that's severe or or you can't do it. Or a swap. Uh, or a swap. Right. Rate. Yeah. Or a swap. Then then obviously you're you are more locked in. But like, why wait? to see where things go because they might get higher. You just never, you never know. We never know. I know they're probably, the Fed's probably going to pivot here. Um, Chandler, which is what, what I actually want to get your input on is, do you think it's going to pivot at the next Fed meeting and pivot down? And I know no one has a crystal ball. No one knows. <laughs> that's what, that's what the, that's what the, 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 uh, the prognosticators on Twitter are saying that there's going to be right. a big pivot. My, my gut feeling is that interest rates will stay steady for longer. Um, okay. And then come back down. I don't see them continuing to rise just because inflation is coming down. Um, and that's their main target, right? 2% inflation, um, lower unemployment. Unemployment is still below 4% unemployment rate, right? Um, and so if they're meeting that mandate, I think they're going to want to see it a little bit higher right now for longer because we are getting back into that position. And then I think if something happens, whether that is something that's systemic or something that we don't see, they have the ability to pull that lever to lower those rates to be able to basically juice the economy again at that time. So they want to have options going into the future. So I say higher for longer. Yeah, as the Fed chair always thinking. says, he has a million ways to stimulate the economy. He only has one way to break it. Mm -hmm. um, so it's a little bit of, uh, unfortunately, a, a obtuse tool to break it. It's it's like killing a, fl a fly with a sledgehammer. I just want the ten year. Sorry, Craig. I'll go, go with no, go. for just a second because I actually want to know this. Isn't the the ten year Treasury something you should watch though from an educated like because that's where the market is predicting where things will go? Correct. Mm -hmm. Okay. Yep. 
Absolutely. Okay. Um, 10-year treasury, the most liquid form of debt and secure form of debt in the whole world. Um, and everything is based off that, right? Mm -hmm. So that is a good indicator of where rates will be in the future and where the economy is going, right? So the bond market is playing to that. You can get into a whole nother podcast about this. But yeah, yeah. That is um, a great indicator of where we think rates will be going for the long term. So um, that is a good metric in which we should have people paying attention to. That's going to be a good indicator of where things are going. So if you were a dentist right now, Chandler, looking at from the sidelines of from the optics of what you have and you were thinking about growing, like, would you have hesitation? I know that's I know that's kind of a, a tough question, right? Because you mm -hmm. obviously are you your business is a banker, right? And your clients are dentists. So I'm trying to kind of invert that relationship a little bit and just mm -hmm. say, like, what would your hesitation be? What would you be looking out can for? What do you can see I ask coming a clarifying on question too? on top of that? Mm -hmm. um, look at can you can you answer Peter's question, but also in the context of being a banker, what is the bank's appetite for dental versus other categories of loans? How are you feeling right now at the bank? Yeah, his is better. Answer his first. <laughs> um, so the appetite is strong. Um, this is a very resilient industry. Uh, when we got into this industry in 2010, um, we looked at default rates, right? Dental industry is super safe, recession, recessionary proof. Um, and default rates at that time were below 1%, charge off rates even below that. So super safe industry, Live Oak Bank is bullish on the dental industry. And I can tell you, we are full steam ahead on lending to dental practitioners all across the country looking to grow. Um, so I, I actually think you have competition now. So Live Oak has been dental focused for a decade or more, at least as long as the relationship I've known you guys. Yep. But now my local regional bank is all bullish on dentistry now, which is funny. <laughs> it's everywhere. There's more competition today than I... It, but why is that? Because of the resiliency that everyone's identifying? It's a flight to safety, essentially, in a lending capacity? I would say a flight to safety, um, good credits, good opportunities. Uh, and also, um, you know, at least within the SBA side, which we focus on, people realize that there is an opportunity to make really good loans and make really good economics for the bank. And so when somebody goes out into the industry and does really, really well, People take notice of that and say, okay, well, we're going to eat away at that cash flow stream that other institutions making. But all of that to be said, why there is a ton of competition, that's really good for the end consumer, right? That draws pricing down. That draws competition down. Competition is good for the end user, which would be the dentist, right? Which hopefully ends up being better rates, better fees, better terms. So, so your your focus at Live Oak is still on the SBA side. Is that a 504 and 701 or, or just one? That is 504 and 7A. Oh, so, 7A, because that's yep. what I did, by the way. So I, as much as I like to talk crap about government cheese, I was a product of it. You know, I'm a, if, I, if I'm intellectually honest here, I would not have be able, been able to afford more than a 10% down payment on the yeah. building I, I, um, uh, that I built. And I had the 7A loan, I think. Um, mm -hmm. um, and uh, it, it enabled me to, to have just that 10% down payment. If we're being intellectually honest, how how... I actually don't even know why someone. What is the purpose of an SBA? Is it is it to lower? I've never used it. Never. It's never it's used. the LTV. I think is a primary uh, purpose. Okay. So it's a it, you know the the Small Business Association is a wonderful thing. God bless mm -hmm. America because if you're living in Brazil or Italy or something like that, to my knowledge, there's nothing that exists Belize, like that. Or Belize. Or Belize. Yeah. 
you know, right. I mean, right. Chandler, there's nothing. Right. We, we have this robust machine of the government that enables people like me to take entrepreneurial risk. So could you please just unpack that for the end listener here that doesn't know what we're talking about? Yeah, absolutely. So SBA started back in the Eisenhower administration back in 1958. And so this was a loan program put together to help get capital in the hands of small businesses all across the country that might not be credit worthy. Right. They might not be able to go down to the local bank that had a couple hundred thousand dollars in the bank, could put that money towards the project where they're buying a building or starting up a practice. This is maybe uh, somebody that had less cash and needs more flexible terms. Um, so today there's a ton of industries in which that can partake within the SBA loan program. Um, and so here at Live Oak Bank, we use the 7A and 504 product uh, to help doctors in my industry, healthcare, which we lend to 35 different industries. But in healthcare, uh, it's mainly for either the startup doctor or the expanding doctor get into commercial real estate ownership with less money down and more flexible terms. So that in a nutshell is what the SBA product is for. And I almost see it as a starting point. And then you graduate to conventional lending, which here, Craig, you guys are probably have experienced that, but it's early exactly on. Right Craig. You, you, you build it, you take it on with less money, you acquire it, whatever it may be, you grow it, you spend three or four or five years within that product, and then your local bank will come in and usually refinance us. And so on our books here at Live Oak Bank in our healthcare industry, our average client only stays with us for about five or six years, and then they graduate. That's exactly what I did. So it's Gra a tool. Graduate meaning they refi out of your ecosystem? That's exactly right. Yeah. Yeah. Or internally. Or internally. What, just or internally. Product. Because even though, you know, and, and this is a good segue to what we were talking about earlier with interest rate and it being the barrier for many people to jump forward. Had I not, you know, listen, I, had I qualified for a local, you know, regional bank loan, traditional financing, of course, the rate would have been lower and the fees would have been less and the paperwork would have been less. But I had no other alternative. Mm -hmm. And what I was able to do with a 10% and 90% LTV that I had 90% loan to value, meaning only 10% down, I was able to start this. And in the entrepreneurial world, just starting, someone in giving you the first chance is usually the, the only thing you need to get that ball going downhill. And I, I mean, I'm so thankful for, for pro products like you're talking about, Chandler, because I would not have been able to do it. Yep. You know, um, And a lot of people told me like, oh, an SBA, don't do that. Like there were so many people in my ear. Don't do that. The fees are ridiculous. Blah, blah, blah. Look at how it worked out for me. Mm -hmm. I refied from at the time it was like 5.9 to three eight and then ultimately yeah. to three yeah. percent and the whole time my value of my building and the value of my business was increasing double digits every year so forget the rate even if i was never able to swap out of the rate even in a rising interest rate environment it would have been a wonderful thing for me and something that the business owners and dentists need to understand that are listening to this right now whatever your rate is is tax deductible so if you have a 10 percent interest rate and your marginal tax rate is 38 percent your effective interest rate is 6.2%. Do I have that correct or am I just talking shit? I'm, I'm going to agree with that. I would have to look at the math. Yeah, but I mean, no, but it's, you're, you're you, following it. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Right, Peter? Well, help me out. Peter, Peter, are you on your second margarita now or are you still paying attention? <laughs> he's adding one and let me carry that over. Yeah, he's carrying yeah. the one. Okay, Peter, you start off with 10 margaritas, right? The government takes 3.8 from you. <laughs> <laughs> no, but I'm just, no, it is true. I, I was saying that for comedic effect, but yes. Oh, sorry, you're, guys. I thought it was on mute. Sorry. No, I'm sorry. 
I'm no, no, back. but it is. It is. It is true. <laughs> it is true, Chandler. Your interest rate on your business is tax deductible. Mm -hmm. So even in a even in the traditional uh, environment where the Fed is at five point eight and you're borrowing at seven or eight or nine percent, it's still a good idea to start. Mm -hmm. It's still a good idea to start. And when you look at that chart of that fifty year rate, because I've seen it for the thirty year residential mortgage, yep. it is incredible to see over the fifty years where we are. We're at the lower third of the historic rate. So just in ZERP and zero interest rate policy, yeah. everybody's like, oh my God, I can't believe it. But still, holy shit, we're still such a great spot still. And we were saying this like two years ago. Remember this, Pete? We're still saying the same thing. Yeah. Peter is getting another margarita for those that are not <laughs> listening. We're, 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 you know, you got a banker and an OCD dentist. We're watching you, buddy. We're watching you. <laughs> And you're still on mute. You're drunk, right? <laughs> I'm okay with that. I'm okay with that. All right. Can, can we break into now something? Cause, cause banking Chandler is, you know, it's very, it's very regimented, right? It's very, it's very binaries, ones and zeros. Can we get into the tin hat corner for a second? Mm -hmm. I was going to ask you about Bitcoin. No, What's not. your I'm prognostication of Bitcoin? I am definitely not going to get into Bitcoin. What I'm going to get into is something different that uh, just have a hypothesis. And I want you to say, Pete, you're, 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 you're smoking, you're smoking your own, whatever. I don't have an analogy <laughs> for that. Okay. This so it's going to be a good podcast. I'm our, our, um, our debt right now is at what level, Chandler? 33 About 31 plus, to 34? 32 trillion. 34, just the interest okay. on our payments is over a trillion. Yeah, it's over. I think it's close to 2 trillion now. No, no we're on our way to, I think it's close to 1 trillion. I think interest payments right now are about 500 billion and they're on their way to over a trillion, which is going to take up 25% of our annual budget. Yeah. So, at, as, and we also have other stuff to pay for other than just the debt on our loans as a country, right? So mm -hmm. where I'm going is that yeah, you've heard the term kind of a death spiral, right? I'm not saying, I'm not saying death to it, but there's a point in which the debt overcomes the, the, the tax basis that you're receiving. And then the only way out is for America to reprint or not reprint, but to print more money to buy back its own debt, which in, in force lowers the value of the dollars you're holding. Mm -hmm. Right. Um, do you I mean, I, look, I know I'm putting you possibly you're like, oh, shit, he's, he's asking me like tin hat questions and I'm in a banking. I'm literally sitting in a bank right now and I cannot. But is there any truth to what I'm saying or am I just living in my own myopic world? There's definitely truth to what you're saying. Um, the path that we are on is unsustainable, right? Government has to figure out physical responsibility or with what you said, there is going to be some price to pay, whether that's 5, 10, 15, 20 years in the future. Who knows? But all signs are leading towards interest payments, right? Taking up a majority of the annual spending. And that's not going to be good, right? You got Social Security, you got Medicare, you got Medicaid, you got defense spending. So where are those cuts going to happen, right? One thing that's probably different than maybe this having happened to other economies is us being pegged as the dollar that everybody trades in dollars, right? So that gives us some type of stability. But with where we are going, it's unsustainable and there has to be a fix in physical spending. Um, and I heard it. I mean, Jerome Powell said that as well. He's not allowed. He doesn't really comment on physical spending, right? Because he's monetary. But 
it's on an unsustainable path. So. I think that's a single voter issue, not to bring up politics. We've never brought up politics, but I think that's a single voter issue for, for 2024 election, right? Like getting into that. Otherwise, it's going to be a melt up scenario. And right, the money that was spent during COVID, which is what, $3 trillion is going to look silly. And we all saw what that did. But the mm-hmm. Fed's got one way out of this debt, uh, this spiral is to buy back its own debt. And so I, I get concerned. So here's where I'm going with this, is that I am bullish on non-cash assets, buying practices, building mm-hmm. buildings, uh, you know, gold, Bitcoin, whatever. Everything non-cash, I am bull- even equities in the stock market, because, right, because that will follow up. If there is a melt up, it will follow up in that in, in relation. So your money is not this melting ice cube. Mm-hmm. Um and that's just my own personal hypothesis, but I just can't see a way out where where, where the dollar holds its value anymore. Um, and, and I'm not saying it, it loses its utility. I'm just saying this less and less becomes a trending, a trending theme now that we've hit this critical inflection point of 30 plus trillion dollars of debt. Accurate. That okay. would, I would okay. agree with you 100 percent. I mean, okay. you keep you keep cash to invest and opportunities like what you just mentioned, right? I mean, your cash today is yielding five, six percent, but you take that cash to be able to buy that next practice. Uh, to so I'm, to I'm fully, fully closing the loop on like, don't wait for the falling knife. If you yeah. have a vision, if you, you know, we, te- we talk, Craig, Craig really pushes on people's visions and dreams in the mastermind and, you know, talks about that in our summits. If you have a vision and dream, don't let the interest rate be the impediment to that goal vision dream. That's that's kind of where I'm going, because because it may behoove you to get out of that cash, that dry powder that you're sitting on and deploy it towards that dream and have a banking partner like Live Oak to kind of help you get there. And that's that's kind of where I'm going in summation. Well, also, just to add to what you're saying, Peter, it's um, not just your plans, but rising interest rates affect valuations of everything. So if you can pick something up at a good valuation now and have it in your under your belt and then refinance it later it is so incredibly powerful but you cannot refinance a bad purchase so if you pay more than you should our interest rate will not fix that Mm-mm. you know what i mean like it's it, you know so it's i think it's just as a business owner you have to look at things very um you know you just have to look at the math and um i know that had i listened to most of my non-business friends early on when i was doing my building every single one of them told me not to do what I did mm-hmm. um, just because they weren't based on math. They were based on feelings, yep. know the math. And that's the great thing about a business partner, like a bank, they won't let you make the mistake. You know, they won't, they, they, you can, you can do a lot of stupid things in, in other areas of your life, but a bank has an internal scrutiny that will allow you to be safe, which is it awesome. It protects them at the same time though. They're protecting you from making mistakes, meaning exactly. I didn't get approved for that. Well, there might be a reason why you didn't get approved because you were overextended mm-hmm. in your debt to income ratio. It's that simple, right? So a bank is, could be your advocate and saying, Hey doc, not right. Not saying no. I'm just saying not right now until we enhance you know, the debt to income ratio that you that, that we're, we're perceiving, right? Your EBITDA is not high enough for whatever, or your debt is, is too high based on the income that your business is putting off. And I agree with you, Craig. I, I think we look at them as, uh, as I, we don't look at banks as advocates. Sometimes we look at them as just like, okay, I just need you for this one purpose, but it, it really could be this business advocate. So, so just tell me, Chandler, why Live Oak? I know I, I love you guys because I know your culture and I know what you stand for. But for the listener that doesn't understand what Live Oak is and why we don't have the other usual suspects here, we have this very specific relationship with you. Tell the listener why Live Oak, please. Yeah, absolutely. Well, I think number one, 
and how the bank was built and its foundation is honest and transparency. So, you know, when you're working with Live Oak Bank, we are going to get you quick responses and shoot you straight early on, right? Let's not lead you down the rabbit hole just to find out that this project is not doable or we get to the finish line and we're going to pull the rug out from under you. So from early on, we're going to be honest, we're going to be transparent. And we've been in the industry since 2010. Uh, so we've been doing this uh, for going on 14 years now, lent over $3 billion to the healthcare industry and primarily a majority of that being to dentists. Um, and so we've helped a lot of small businesses graduate and get to the next step. I mean, it's kind of funny seeing this now coming full circle, uh, but there's projects that I was working on in 2016, 2017 that now have four, five, six locations, right? We help them get to that stage where now they're able to graduate, maybe take on that conventional financing. If you want to sell out to a DS or, or private equity and turn yourself into it, we've seen that. Maybe that's not for everyone, but for that person, that might be the right opportunity for them. Um, so I think with Live Oak Bank, uh, we have an in-depth knowledge. We're really focused on the healthcare industry and the product in which we're taking advantage of, right? SBA, which is not an easy product to take uh, to take advantage of. Um, it's difficult. It can be cumbersome, but you have to have a lender that has a maniacal focus on it. And that's what we have. Um, so I'm looking at dental transactions every day um, and that's it. Um, and so that helps bode well for the process and hopefully being able to get capital um, into the client's hands efficiently and effectively to help them grow and scale uh, to where you guys are going to be one day, right? To, to be like you guys. When we grow up. So tell me about the DSO <laughs> thing that you were talking about when I jumped on the call. You guys, yeah. you both were into some DSO conversations. Absolutely. So probably in 18 or 19, uh, my colleague and I kind of saw, hey, the writing on the wall, there's a lot of consolidation. There's a lot of talk within the marketplace of consolidation, DSOs, private equity, get into the market. So here at Live Oak Bank, they allow you to be anything that you want to be. If you want to go chase an opportunity, you go chase it and you go figure it out. All right. That's the beautiful thing. It's not bureaucratic. Um, so we did some market research and started working with some other institutions, some other lenders, kind of made a splash within the industry and created a product around 2020, 2021. Um, and since then, it's just grown like a wildfire. Um, and so really what I'm doing day to day is working with small businesses, one, two, three locations with a small business product. And then we've created a new product, which is conventional financing uh, for DSOs to consolidate and it's growth capital, right? So we'll come in, we'll clean up the balance sheet, uh, refi everything out, and then give you what's called a line of credit or DDTL to draw a term loan to help that DSO go and acquire practices throughout the year. Um, so that's been a very successful product. You guys are in it day in and day out. Peter, you got eight locations. Craig, I know you got multiple locations and you guys see it. And I'm sure you see it within uh, Bulletproof and the Mastermind class that um, a lot of the industry is going that way. But that doesn't mean that it's still not a good time for the single doctor to open up a practice, right? So um, that in a nutshell is the product in which we launch and it's been super successful and very received, well received by the market. Very cool. It, I, you know, I love a business that has its focus on dentistry because I like I always say this Chandler, I think dentistry is the greatest profession in the world and dentists are probably some of the greatest people. So I love it when, when there's a business that, that supports us, that we can say, Hey, they are the dental advocate. Mm -hmm. And uh, just appreciate what y'all do. So, mm -hmm. uh, you know, and even just coming on this pod and giving us some intel on 
you know, that side of the line, so to speak, um, because it is, you know, as we all know, money is the lubricant for the expansion and we got to have, we got to have these relationships in place. Um, and so, yeah, that's it. So signing off from Belize. I'm just kidding. <laughs> Thanks so much, Chandler. Yeah, and, uh, thank you. And I really appreciate your partnership with Bulletproof. And I really appreciate what you guys are doing. It's awesome. Um, just from a value standpoint and that you're focused on the dental profession is, is awesome. And I, I'm yeah. sure it's got to be satisfying for you looking back on over a decade of watching these people grow to next levels. It's awesome. Absolutely. Totally. Thank you all for having me on here. Yeah, buddy. Thank you. Thanks, everybody. We'll see you all next time.